This ain't your mama's fairy tale. Set in the roaring 20s in Mexico City, where the Mayan god of death, Hunkame, relies on Cassiopeia, an 18-year-old girl whose only choice is to help him regain his kingdom from his vindictive twin brother. On today's episode, Sylvia Moreno-Garcia brings Mexican folklore alive in her novel, Gods of Jade and Shadow. I'm Denny. And I'm Veronica. And we're here talking gods, demons, and tequila. So don't go away. Welcome back. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to um, Vulgar Geniuses Podcast, Forks and Fangs. I'm your host, Veronica. My name is Denny, and in this podcast, we're talking about Sylvia Moreno-Garcia's book, Gods of Jade and Shadow. Yeah, so um, just for those who are new to our podcast, we focus on books that are written by people of color. So today we're representing... Mexico. Mexico. Our writer is of Canadian Mexican descent. Yes. And uh, she is known for writing um, books that are based in like magical realism. That's our genre for this month as well. Correct. Um, And so as a Forks and Fangs tradition, we can't do a podcast without food. So we had food, Mexican food from Reyes Mezcaleria. It's in Winter Park here in um, Orlando, Florida. It's actually downtown Orlando. Oh. And if you've not She got the food. I went and picked it up. (laughs) So she know where it's at. I map quested it. You remember (laughs) when you had the map quest things? No, you waze it now. Turn left. (laughs) My voice is Elmo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but we we got some bomb-ass food from there today. Yes. Beef empanadas. Empanadas. I I didn't eat the beef. I'm the vegetarian in the group, so... I had the um, chile rellano with the beans and the potatoes. Oh, my God, the corn. Let's talk about this corn. <laughs> the esquites. Corn was so delish. And by the way, this this is not sponsored. Not at all. <laughs> Wanting to be sponsored. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> Shout out to Reyes. Hello, we exist. <laughs> <laughs> and we will eat all of your food yes, but... for you. But we wanted to support our local eateries um, during this harsh time in yes. our world. So we thought that we would go ahead and let someone cook our food instead of us trying to... Whip it up. Yeah. It's going to be for next time. Next time, next time. But the the food was absolutely delicious. And if you get a chance, make sure you go to our Instagram and check out the photos. Um, but... In the meanwhile, while we're talking about this book, I'm going to be sipping on some margarita. <laughs> um, yeah, our host, like, uh, she can't, she can't partake. So, yeah, um, I'm going to partake for her. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Gourmet water, keep them coming. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, like we said, we're going to be talking about gods of jade and shadow today. And uh, let's walk through this together. Yeah, so we start with um, Cassiopeia. She's our heroine. Mm-hmm. Um, she is staying in this house with grandpa and mom and cousins and aunties, everybody in this house. But essentially, she is treated like a servant. So is her mom. 
because I guess her mom was the favorite of the grandpa before. Mm-hmm. But they decide her mom decided to follow her heart and marry below her class. And she was banished, but dad died, so they had to return to grandpa. And when they return, they become indentured servants, basically, to this slaves. family. Not straight servants, up, slaves. Straight up, oh yeah, straight up slaves, <laughs> having to clean the house and do other chores uh, for her grandfather and her evil cousin, Martine. Martine. Martine is, is no good, no good. Yeah, Martine, not but, a fan. <clears throat> Um, but what happens is that the family goes away on a little, little trip. Excursion in the waterfall somewhere. And Cassiopeia is left alone to go tiptoeing through the house. And she decides that she's going to go to her grandfather's room. And she discovers a box that has a key that he has left. He normally would wear the key around his neck. 24-7. But for some reason, he left it and um, she was a curious cat and so she decides that she's going to open that box. She opened the box and comes out Hunkame. <laughs> Hunkame, the god of death. The Mayan god of death. His bones were inside of this wonderful this, box. This little box and he clack, Puts himself together. That's the sound of him. That's the actual sound of bones <laughs> rising from a box. And he puts himself together and, and then, he ends up becoming this beautiful brown god. Literal god. Yes. Not the, you know, the brown men that we just, you know, drool over. I think I just drooled. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he becomes, <laughs> he becomes this uh, mighty, all well, you know, gorgeous god. And Cassiopeia was like, oh, you know, who like, this? Like, what are you, you know, what are you about? Who are you? Where you came from? So he introduces himself. I'm Hunkame. I've been trapped in this box by my evil twin brother because your grandfather helped him a long, long time ago, once upon a time. Um, so now you have to help me to you know, fight my, my twin brother and we got to kill him. Now, even though he has put himself together after she's opened this box, he's missing a few parts. He's missing his finger, his eye, his eye, and an ear. And an ear. So he might be fine, but he not all the way <laughs> fine. But he fine enough to, for her to be like, Ooh. oh my God, literal God. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, and she was like, why do I need to help you? And he was like, well, I got a bone shard on you. And if you don't help me, you're going to die. I'm going to die. He's going to win. And we are going to die all together. So basically, they have to go out on this journey. And she has to make the decision as to whether if she is going to remain in Ukamil, um, the city that she is just not in love with. Hate it. And uh, with this family that she does not like. Mm -hmm. Or does she go ahead and venture off onto this quest with With this god? Unknown... And basically, she has no choice because she's she's gonna die. She's gonna die. So, and <laughs> you want to lessen that chance, so you might as well just follow the god. And she wanted to get away anyway. She was like saving up all her money so she can like go to Mireida. That's where father was from. Mm-hmm. So she took this as an opportunity to just go and help this god. So they go they go on a journey, a quest. Um, they had to, you know, do some battles with like some demons, some enchanting lady and like a half man, half goat kind of deal. 
um, which they were able to, you know, obtain all of his essence. They were obtained the ear, the finger, and um, the eye. Um, but um, it didn't quite pan out at the end because my partner here <laughs> is a romantic at heart. <laughs> I am a romantic at heart. So along this journey, there are moments, moments. within their story Snippets. that you can tell is that classic rom-com, minus the com, but <laughs> definitely rom, where, you know, they're having these little, these little spats. Yes. But you can feel the tension. You can feel the heat. A lot of tension. And she's constantly talking about how beautiful this man is. And then he's having these moments where he's kind of like looking at her. And, you know, you're just like, I feel some fire. Yes. Fire and desire. But she's like, but really though, like, this is a god. I'm just, you know, little old Cassiopeia, 18 year old, and this journey. Trying to not die. Not die. That's the main goal. That's the the whole point of this journey. (laughs) Not die. Um, But yeah, so, you know, for me, that was probably one of my favorite parts of watching this romance, this possible romance. Blossom. Blossom. But uh, yeah, uh, Hunkame has a huge mission because he must be able to regain all of his body parts and and not die so that he can be able to take over his kingdom that his twin brother has taken from him. And so in order for all of this to take place, his brother decides that he is his brother who is Fakukame. Twin brother. His twin brother decides that they are going to send Cassiopeia and Martine. So Martine is Cassiopeia's cousin who is the uh, son to her grandfather. And so Martine um, was chosen by his grandfather to basically go on this journey for him. And represent him because he's old he's old he can't do anything so he's going to send his his only son out into the world to basically make sure that they can be able to maintain their wealth and power in ukamil um and martin like we said in the very beginning is not very good on good um on good terms terms with his cousin Mm -hmm. right so he basically has been the person who's made her do all of the chores in the house. He and just likes to taunt him. Yeah. Oh, her. I'm sorry. He just likes to taunt her because, like, you know, she, he knows that she is, she is, you know, used to be like, or well, her mom used to be like grandpa's favorite. But ever since that whole thing happened, now they come back and like, who's back? You know. And there is a little bit of like hate, um, for Martin because. Grand- grandfather basically wanted Cassiopeia to be a male um, grand grandson. Yeah. He basically asked why couldn't she be a boy? Yes, because Martin was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't stupid, but he just wasn't... He is the... stupid. He can't make it through school, man. <laughs> like, what do you call that? I'm sorry, Martin. I'm trying to throw you a bone. No. But obviously, someone really doesn't like you in this room right now. Yes. That, <laughs> but, that's me, Martin. Hi, I'm Denny. How are you? <laughs> but they they have been pitted against each other to go on this this quest in the underworld um, in order to make it to the Jade Palace. So the first one who gets to the Jade Palace wins the throne for whichever god that they represent. Yes. And so at the end, it ends up being that Cassiopeia um, 
ends up winning by killing herself. By sacrificing herself. So she sacrifices herself, which then sends her literally to the underworld. And Mm -hmm. she ends up at the Jade Palace first because she has died and has won the game and won the throne for Hunkame. And then um, Hunkame takes the throne. Yes. But then he has to say goodbye to his lovely Cassiopeia because it would never work. He's yeah. a he's the god of death. He said like there's no there's no way a living body or entity can exist right in in Zibalba, which is their palace. So he had to send her back to mm-hmm. Middle World, which is our world. Mm-hmm. So she goes back home and you know this is a sad ending. She goes back home and she's alone and she's just trying to figure out how she will move on, what to do next. And in walks one of the demons that they meet at the very beginning. His name is Lore. And mm-hmm. he has been sent by Hunkame to uh, pick her up and take her wherever she wants to go. Yeah, basically she, give her her freedom. And she decides that she is going to... Um, pair up with Loray and just follow him where he goes and they end up going on a quest in which possibly would be like the next stop I think it's like New Orleans or Quebec they were trying to figure out where they were going to go yeah. um, but basically she's just having an adventure of a lifetime Yes, yeah, so she lost the love of her life so now she must go and venture out and find out what's outside of the Yucatan and so on and so forth so we are going to take a break and then we're going to come back and talk about how we felt. Yes, all the feelings about this book. About gods of jade and shadow. And we're back! Welcome back from our commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> so we uh, are discussing gods of jade and shadow. And this book is in the genre of magical realism. And yes. so for me growing up, you know, the as close as I could ever get to magical realism was probably like your run of the mill fairy tale. Cinderella, like Cinderella. Little Mermaid. But the difference between that and your your magical realism stories is yes. that it's something that you definitely find in people of colors like their their narratives on how they are the people that they are yeah it's basically like you know part of their culture Mm because it's like an explanation of like why is this mountain you know in in this area or why is it shaped like this Mm -hmm. you know for for example like there are filipino folklore that rely heavily on magical realism they explain like you know how the first man and woman came to exist or like you know um this volcano is from like a woman of like you know, she, you know, she was, she died and like she had like children and like wh- why the shape of this, you know, mountain is such sin, why the shape of the mountain is like that. Mm-hmm. But I think um, it exists more in like, um, yes, definitely people of color. And it is very, very much based on culture and folklore. So, you know, for the people that don't know what magical realism is, it's just an artistic genre in which a realistic narrative and naturalistic technique are combined with serial elements of dream or fantasy. And in this story, we found that there were a lot of different themes um, that we could pull um, in regards to Cassiopeia's journey mm-hmm. um, to helping 
Hunka may become back, you know, his full self, God self. Yes. Um, so some of those things we talked about were uh, selfishness, compassion versus compassion, good versus evil, life versus death, and the sacrifices that Cassiopeia had to had to um, do in order for all of those things to come about. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely a story of of transformation. Yes. Um, so let's dive into what we are, you know, those themes. Let's talk about some of those themes. Yeah. Selfishness and compassion. That's why I'm like, I hate Martin. Martin, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you felt like Martin was selfish? All the time. In what way? Always, all the time. Because, you know, you guys are cousins. It's family. And yet you have the gall to treat this young lady as such. And he, like, he's pompous. He just always thinks about himself. He would do things for Cass- He would do things so that Cassiopeia would look bad. Mm-hmm. And his grandfather, you know, would... He basically wanted the approval of his grandfather. But the only reason why Martin was like that to begin with was simple fact that his grandfather basically pitted him against the cousin. Did he really, though? He did. He did. I think that was his way of using using Cassiopeia as ammunition to basically be like, you ain't shit. You know, I sent you off to school and you didn't do anything that I needed you to do. And you come back and I have this granddaughter of mine who is smart and not a boy <laughs> and wishes that, you know, she was a boy. And I definitely, you know, you don't you don't say those things to children that you love. You know, you're saying those things because you want to be able to, you know, poke at them and and make a point of, like, I am in full disapproval for your behavior and what you've become. So in order to do that, I'm going to use this child as an example of what it was that I hoped that you would be. So, you know, when when you are young, you don't necessarily realize, oh, this adult is using me in a way that I don't understand. I think, you know, as he got older, he could have made that decision. And which he does later on makes that decision of like, I need to protect my cousin. Um, but in the in the moment, in the very beginning, in the middle, and a little bit towards the end, he still is struggling with, you know, who am I? And who am I in relation to my cousin? Mm-hmm. I don't think that, you know, he came straight out the box of like, I hate my cousin. Yeah, there was a little, um, like, backflash there that he even tried to, like, reach out and play with her because she didn't have, like, playmates Mm -hmm. because she was kind of, like, not really the black sheep of the family, but they were, like, rejected. Mm -hmm. And that was definitely, like, you know, in regards to class status of Mm -hmm. them being of lower class, quote-unquote lower class, in this family who has gotten their wealth based upon you know treachery treachery and and lies and evil but they got the power nonetheless yeah and you having to maintain it and here you have to deal with this person who is not following along on the lines where you need them to be so you know what you said the mother takes martine away and you know tells him like you don't befriend this girl you don't play with this girl yeah even though that this girl is family Mm -hmm. casopea is family so, and I think also in regards to this selfishness, compassion, not only was Martine dealing with selfishness, but you also had Hunkame that was dealing with selfishness because he, 
you know, in the very beginning, it was all focused about him becoming okay. a god again. Yeah. I want my power back. I want to be able to dethrone my, my brother and, you know, seek my revenge. And I'm going to do it by any means necessary. And if that means, little girl, you got to come with me. Yep, you're coming. Or you're going to die. <laughs> there's really no there's really no um, choice for her. Right. It's it's like, you know, it's like, is it death or death? <laughs> so what are, what are you going to do? You just you just go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we see his transformation of I think that's where the selfishness and compassion comes about. Because, like, he, I think, realizes up to the like, you know, leading up to the end that this girl is giving up everything, every single thing to help him Mm -hmm. so the first it was like you know her traveling leaving leaving family behind that's big because she's never been anywhere Mm -hmm. the second one is like you know her hair like parts of her body and literally she is the life source of this human you know of this god right so it's like giving up your life anyway whether you come or not so, and then even even at the end of the story, like, she knows that she could never have him. So she, what she, what does she do? She gives up her life so she can have, so he can have his, basically. And that so that the world can continue to move. Yes. In the order that it needs to. So she, I think, in, essentially is what you would think of as a prime example of what it is to be compassionate mm-hmm. and to deal with those sacrifices that you have to make in order for the world to maintain the order that it needs to. And, um, you know, it doesn't always come with her not complaining because yeah. she had a temper tantrum when she had to cut her hair. Yeah, she's sassy. Yeah. can be, you know, she's like, what I got to do with, you know, she would fight you and I think... I think that's just the author's way of like tell you know letting her readers know that she can hold her own, mm-hmm. she can think, she can decide for herself, but she still chooses, you know, to do what what is for the greater good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think she was used to be the driving force of change, you know, for for Hunkame. and so for him to realize what real compassion and probably love, what love is. Yeah, what is love? Um, don't hurt me. <laughs> and uh, what about good and evil? The theme of good and evil. I think it comes hand in hand with like the selfishness and compassion. Because mm-hmm. no, I I truly believe nobody is born evil. It is something that is seen learned. and learned. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, for Martin, it was taught to him. He saw it in everybody. So he's like, well, why, why do I gotta change that? Mm-hmm. You know, and Hunkame, well, he, you know, we have to suspend, you know, sometimes logic for magical realism. So we have to assume because he's the god of death that he is selfish and he just wants to take lives of human beings because that's what they feed off of. You know, that is part of part and parcel of like, you know, the genre of magical realism. Mm -hmm. So he was just, you know, he was very uh, on point. Like there is no like, oh, please, thank you, none. It was kind of just like, you need to do this, you need to do this, and can I have that? You know? Yeah. Just straight up like Not that. even can I, uh, when will you give it to me? Oh, yeah, that's true. Can <laughs> I? Is... Clock is ticking. Yeah, let's go, girl. <laughs> I'll let you have your temper tantrum right now on the floor because you got to cut your hair. But after that, you got to hand it over Business because as usual. things have to happen. I can't make those sacrifices because I am a god. Mm-hmm. So you have to make those sacrifices. And, you know... She 
may have been compassionate and she may have been selfless most of the time, but I think that it came with a little bit of resistance. Um, of definitely, definitely resistance because, you know, who wants to cut their hair? Or like, you know, who wants to go with a god that could potentially kill you? This is the god of death. You know, it's not like, oh, you know, I'm just like a nice, wonderful little angel. No, it's a god of death. Who you wants are... Who wants to walk in the evil road of Zibalba? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody got time for that. I mean, think about it. You are a god who somehow got themselves killed and locked into a box. And You're a god. Ch- and, and chest and middle world. And now I got to follow you because you didn't know how to keep yourself protected. I mean, why? Because <laughs> I'm a die. <laughs> And that's why she had to leave <laughs> with him. Um, so, uh, moving on. What about Cassiopeia as the heroine in this story when you compare it to stories like Cinderella? What makes her different? A lot. <laughs> you know, she didn't have to rely on anybody. Literally, mm-hmm. everybody's relying on her. Mm-hmm. is relying on her to, you know, basically save him herself and humanity so she didn't need she didn't know prince no that's out of the picture mm-hmm. she has to stand on her own make decisions for herself and you know give up most of herself mm-hmm. for this god mm-hmm. um and yeah like you know this fairy tales always have a happy ending you know the cinderellas the little mermaids they always get their prince charming yeah here you know it's it's a little you know it's a lot different like um, this is where I think the reality kicks in in magical realism. Like, no, he's a god. You're a, you're, you're a girl. You're a mm-hmm. human girl. So things cannot work out that way. Right. I'm sorry. Um, Definitely one thing that stands out is the fact that when you are looking at a story like uh, Little Mermaid, right? You have this girl who is willing to sacrifice giving up her voice in order for her to gain the love of this man who does not know her you know you have this witch who is promised i can make him fall in love with you but all you have to do is give up yourself in order for that to happen your voice your most prized possession right and i think that's probably what makes fairy tales in general problematic for for little girls who who read them Mm -hmm. as this sense of i have to give up a part of who I am in order to get this person to love me. Mm-hmm. And what happens with this particular story is that you don't see her giving up anything in order for this this god to fall in love with her. She's giving up these things because she doesn't want to die. die. <laughs> so, you know, that definitely is one thing that uh that that stands out between, you know, what makes this heroine different than all the other ones that we grew up reading about um Mm. also when you are talking about cassiopeia she when she realizes like this god is is very handsome she always seems to go back to but this is how i was raised you know like in church the priest is always talking about how you have to basically keep yourself pure. You're not yeah. supposed to be in the same room with the man that you're not married to mm-hmm. or let alone talk to him. And here she was having to go on a journey and spending, you know, a lot of time with this with this man. Yeah. 
you know one on one time the same bed the same room mm-hmm. and they go on, on journeys and they have to pretend that they're kind of like together at some point right you know they do this they do some dances they touch each other's hands you know there's like the touching of the hair you know and like looking in each other's eyes so every like all the all i guess that she learned in church tradition from her mom she had to put it aside so she can decide for herself how she would go about her way and deciding, you know, what would work for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's basically like, do I go by what my family and traditions are or mm. do I go about my way and like trying to figure out the world, like how I would want it to be. So she chose the, the latter mm-hmm. and then she, you know, but still kind of maintaining her guard and kind of like this balancing act of like uh, we've all been teenagers you know you kind of like oh does this person like me is this okay to do or should I care should I not care you know should I reply back or not you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. so she she definitely had that you know like conflict within herself that I think like most you know stories um, the Cinderella's and the Little Mermaids are kind of like you know I'm just gonna be with my Prince Charming mm-hmm. la 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 goodbye Goodbye, world. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, world. I'm going to go and live in the palace yeah. and forget about everybody under my the family, sea. My family, my father, my little crustacean friend. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Um, Cassiopeia goes through a huge transformation through all of this. Yeah. She matures, I think. Yeah. We don't really know exactly how much time has passed. I feel like it's probably been a few weeks mm-hmm. while they're on this journey together. But um, she seems to... In the very beginning of the book, it feels as if she's a child. Yeah. I, ta- I thought she was like 12. <laughs> yeah. Because there was a huge debate between us of like... I think this girl is grown. And you're like, no, I think this is a little girl. We're... Yeah, it feels like she, she was portrayed to me mm-hmm. when I'm reading it. But she's like a little, like middle schooler. Mm. That's how I feel like she was. And even the cousin. I'm like, who, t- like, if you're grown, like, no, man, like, do it yourself. Right. Like, yeah, that's why I was kind of like, she's 18. What? <laughs> <laughs> But in the very beginning, she seems a lot more childlike than how she ends. And I feel like at the end of the book, she has a better sense of self. Blossomed. She definitely has blossomed. She has this better sense of self of who she is and what it is that she wants Mm -hmm. and how she's going to choose to go about and get those things for herself. Yeah, she's always had fire, though, in herself that Mm -hmm. she knows that she can't just be a pushover. But I think she just didn't know how to, like, act upon it. She didn't know how to get out. Yes. You know, you're you're talking about someone who has no, absolutely no money, mm-hmm. no way of getting around. So you're going to definitely feel stuck. Yeah, and the only person that you're relying to is, like, your mom, mm-hmm. which is also kind of saying the same thing. Like, no, lay low. You know, just follow them. You know, we owe them a lot. Oh, no, you don't owe them anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're all family. Why would I got to be your servant? Right. So... You know, she felt stuck in that situation. And also, like, one of the things that we discussed a lot about this book is that it felt like a YA novel to us. Yes, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it was because we didn't quite know how old Cassiopeia was. It was towards the end that she was like, I can't die before 
reaching the age of 19. And I'm like, wait, hold up, you're 18? <laughs> that was a huge surprise because, you know, I mean, not a huge surprise for me because I felt like she was older. No. But I didn't know exactly what age. I really thought maybe she was more of a younger teenager, like 16, not 18, where you're about to be an adult, mm-hmm. 19, almost 19. Mm-hmm. So it really read to us like a YA novel versus yeah, like, one that was supposed to be for adults. I remember I, was keep, I kept telling you, like, why does it feel like it's Twilight? But Mexican version. <laughs> you know, not not hating on Twilight, not hating on that book, but it just kind of felt that way. And mm-hmm. I think Twilight is a, you know, it was its first person because, like, Bella is, like, telling the story. Mm-hmm. So... I think, you know, like we we said like in our discussions, I think this book would have been so much better if it was just straight up YA. Yeah. And was catered to like YA, it would have sold more because I think it would have hit the nail, you know, on the head. And yeah. be like just, you know, go forward. Not to and... say, you know, it didn't sell. I don't know how much money she's made off of this book. It yeah. probably has done well, but mm-hmm. I think it definitely would have exceeded maybe her expectations if it was shopped as a YA novel. You know, being a former high school librarian, this is like a book that I would have been like, oh, I got students who would love to read this. Yes, It's not something that I would be like, oh, I'm going to give this to my 40-year-old friend, (laughs) you know, unless they are into YA type stuff. Like fantasy. This is not a book that I would probably have normally picked up while perusing the bookstore Mm -hmm. because I would have thought, oh, this is just a little kid's book. Book. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't know why it was written in that manner. I don't, Mm -hmm. because I've read magical realism that you could definitely tell this is not for, you know, And usually magical realism caters to like older Older people, because mm-hmm. you know, not not saying that you know that teenagers and like you know, people you know, yeah, teenagers or like people in school, mm-hmm. children, <laughs> can't understand magical realism. But I think it also comes with like experience. Yeah. You know, you you have to kind of like have some sort of connection to what is happening to the story for you to understand what is magic and what is real. Mm-hmm. So. I think this might be a great introduction to people who want to read magical realism. Yeah, if I if I was a teacher, I would be like, okay, you know, if I want to introduce them into that genre, mm-hmm. you know, I say, okay, let's read this book. Mm-hmm. This probably would be like an eighth grade, ninth grade novel that I would give a student and be so like, what okay, is eighth let's grade, talk ninth this. grade to our international listeners. Um, that would be anybody that would be between the ages of like. 13, 14, mm-hmm. all the way up to 15 See, years not old. Not 19, though. Not 19, <laughs> right? So this is something that I would give them and be like, hey, you might like reading this. Mm-hmm. That later on, as they go throughout high school, maybe in the 11th grade, I could be like, okay, and now let's talk about like Water for Chocolate. Or you things know, fall apart. Exactly, where you have these novels that are really heavy, mm-hmm. Um I like Water for Chocolate might not be really heavy, but some of the things they probably wouldn't quite fully be like, oh, you know, why is she so upset that her sister is marrying this person? Mm-hmm. You know, so um, shout out to the writer for writing this novel because it doesn't, this is not an easy task to do. No, it's not. Magical realism is hard 
hard genre to write. Right. And what she did so wonderfully was like to be able to build up these different worlds that you had to go through throughout this story. It really makes you feel as if you were there. Yeah. I like her colorful words, Mm -hmm. how she describes where you are, what you're feeling, what you're supposed to feel. It's like the theme and the mood of the story is consistent. You know, you there. You know, if you're in Zimbabwe, there's a bat. You know, you it's like dark and eerie, and you can feel it. So that I appreciate mm-hmm. very, very much. Because sometimes, if the in fantasy novels, I have read. I feel like I've read more than Veronica. It's just kind of like, where are we going with this? <laughs> why are we still explaining this potion that has been taken for like ten years now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, or why are we still in this world that I don't understand and we're still here? Right. So I think she has a good way of like pulling you in and like, oh, these are the parts that's important, but I'm going to introduce you that there's other, you know, there's other demons in this world, but they're not so important as this, you know, our main, our main girl, Cassiopeia. So we got to move on with the story. There are some parts of the story that I wish that we had background on, like, yes, what happened between, you know, what her, her mother and her grandfather, like. What was it about her dad that was just so horrible? Like, did this man literally like like not have any money? Yeah, because you know we were just kind of like, why such hate? I know you're low, you're marrying lower than your class, but to us it's just so you know that reason was not enough. It's right. kind of like if you're if you're writing for adults, adults would not be like, oh, is that all? Like, mm-hmm. what wh- what's you know, what's up with this man? Is he like a magical being? Like. Is he like, you know, like Harry Potter, like the sister is, a, you know, a witch and they have to be sent to like, you know, Hogwarts. It's like, is it that? Because we thought that the dad was kind of like some sort of like, you know, God or like I was entity. hoping that she would eventually be able to see her father, which is why she was traveling <laughs> with the God of death. Yes. You know, like, oh, I can be able to reconnect you with your dad, not fall in love with the God of death. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I was reading it early on, I was like. I don't know if there's romance that's about to happen, but it feels like it. But maybe I'm reading into it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I was correct. <laughs> <laughs> and I was wrong. <laughs> so I was correct. So, yeah, because, you know, and she even hinted him like, oh, what do you want from this? Because mm-hmm. like, Kunkam is always asking, well, what reward do you want? And he's like, oh, I thought maybe I could speak to my dad. And I was like, oh, it's going to happen. But it never happened. Right. You know, and just those little things that, you know, some backstories or, like, the exploration of, like, Zibalba. Um, I think it would have been better if it was, like, written maybe in the middle part and had more emphasis. Because, like, you're talking about this, like, underworld. Like, it's scary and, like, people are, like, frightened to be in this, you know, in this, like, road and, like, human beings are known to, like, make up stories because they're just so terrified of it. Mm-hmm. But when she goes in there and I'm like, oh, you know, it's not as scary as I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just me. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's enough for other people. But that's why I thought it was a YA novel because if I was, like, you know, I, my younger self, I'd be like, yes, there's a big bat. Yes, there's, like, this orbs that you have to go to. And, like, there's this pool of blood. And as an adult, I'm like, okay, and then what? You know? (laughs) You know, you have to give up your bracelet to the snake. The snake is talking. And I'm like, and what else? (laughs) Like, is is the snake going to be, like, a different, like, entity? Is the snake going to be your father? Like, what is happening? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just a little bit kind of, like, underwhelming in that that part of fantasy. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but you know it's it's still a you know decent book like i said if you want to introduce people in what magical realism or fantasy is this would be a good way in mm-hmm. you know if they're young yeah not necessarily if they're of older age <laughs> but if they're if they're young this definitely would be a good book for that mm-hmm. um so since we're on that subject about who that book would be good for and and such like how do you feel about this book in general as a whole you know is this something that you would keep on your bookshelf for the rest of your life <laughs> is this something that you would have just rented from the library and then took it back well, this book is a little different. It was given to me by a very dear friend. Mm-hmm. So when she saw the cover, she's like, oh, I think Denny would like it because she knows that I like, you know, kind of like the little, you know, quirky stuff, like the fantasy and the little magical realism here and there. So <coughs> nerd, <laughs> not not ashamed. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yes, I would I would keep it because it's a, a gift from a very dear friend. Um, but if you would ask me if I would read another book of hers, maybe not. Ooh, yeah, I'm we like, love you though. Yeah, it's I'm I'm not hating. It's not just for everybody. You know, we do this. We do this podcast. We do this book club to review books of people of color to give them chance to speak up. You know, mm-hmm. for them to be heard. Mm-hmm. But we give our honest opinion too, if we like it or not, because it's you know. It's what we do. I would have preferred to have watched this as a television series. Yes, you've been telling me that a lot. Instead of like actually reading the book, I would I would have been fine with. Oh, you know, it it would have put me in the mood of like charmed. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like give me a corny, like two thousand <laughs> early two thousand late nineties show vibe like. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Exactly. <laughs> with with all of this magic stuff that, that goes around. Because I, I love all things witches. You know, the magic aspect of this book is what probably pulled me in more than anything. Of mm-hmm. like, okay, what can this god do? Mm-hmm. What can all these other people do? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did feel a little let down at certain points. Um, especially during... The parts where Hunkame was getting his his body parts back from mm-hmm. people who had was you know that it was like given from his brother to keep you know to keep the mission going of yes. you know him staying him staying on the throne and his brother staying in this box he decided that he was going to divide these body parts up and so you know I was hoping that it would be more of a struggle of getting them back mm-hmm. from these people. But unfortunately, that's why I feel that like it's YA. Because you know, it's like there's a battle, fight, and yeah. then like ping, 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 done. You know, it's not as as not as complicated as you think it would be. So, what would you rate this book? Ooh, I think I would rate this book about a three point five three 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 point five ping of hangs. Yes, you know, um, magical realism and fantasy is very close to my heart. Mm-hmm. I adore. Um, writings about it and I'm happy that there are people of color that are doing it but I love her style of writing I could never do what she does Mm -hmm. so mad respect for that but as an avid reader of this genre um, it 
you know, felt a little flat. Even the characters, Hun Kame, felt a little flat for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I understand he's a god. He's an all. You know, he, there's some sort of standard. I think that she wants us to feel about him. But I think it's only Cassiopeia that was like the driving force of all this. You know, our ultimate hero. So, yeah. I wish there was more mm-hmm. of the action, of the ghosts, of the fantasy. Um, but, you know, it's you a decent book. You didn't get it, yeah. I think for me, a person who does, has not read a lot of fantasy... Um, but does love a, a love a romance, <laughs> a romance in a book. Not necessarily like romance novels, but yeah. just like I want somebody to fall in love. That's just where I'm a Libra. That's what I do. I am too a Libra, but, but... she's on the cusp. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I guess for her, I'm a hater. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, I think I would probably give this four fangs. Hmm. It kept me interested. I wanted to know where this story was going. Um, at no point did I want to put the book down, even though it might, it may have taken me a little bit longer than normal to get through it. Um, I, I still was interested Mm -hmm. to see like, are they going to fall in love? If they fall in love, like, is she going to stay with this God Mm -hmm. in the underworld? Like how, how is this going to work? Um, and I was in literal tears (laughs) (laughs) reading this book when I got to the end, it just was. I was so invested in this story. Yeah, we had we had like very different. Like she's like you know in tears, and I'm just rolling my eyes. And I'm like, what the fuck? They fell in love. Like, how can I not predict this? Like, to me, it was so like almost kind of like predictable. And I'm like, of course they're gonna do this. <laughs> I'm not hating on the romance. It's just kind of like, really, that's it. Like, I wish I'm this like. I, I don't know. I was very hard on, like, Cassiopeia. I'm like, I wish it would have ended on, like, the chapter before the last chapter. That she was in her room alone. And I'd be like, yes! Uh, <laughs> then my heart would have really been ripped out into stress. I'd be like, no! <laughs> I would have thrown the book across the room. And me rejoicing, yay! <laughs> Finally, yeah. I turned around. <laughs> I got to the end of the book, and I just I just closed it. Denny, Denny was sitting across from me when I finished the book, and I just closed the book. She needed I put a moment. it on the table, and I just... I think I took maybe, like, a good five minutes to collect myself, because... <laughs> I she was, was just so like, hurt. <laughs> oh my God, to, to have gone through all of that and not Nothing. gotten really anything out of it other than a car ride to you her life. Quebec. She got her life back. Yeah, but without still, her boo, <laughs> no love. What is what is life? Which means I fall for those sorry ass fairy tales <laughs> that we talked about earlier <laughs> every goddamn time. <laughs> So yeah, four fangs for me, 3.5 fangs mm-hmm. for you. 3 to 3.5, depending on how like you turn the page. Yeah. You know, on a good day, 3.5. <laughs> so this is, I guess, where we end our show. Yes. We really hope you enjoyed it. As we did. We you... can't wait to do the next podcast. Yeah, we enjoyed reading the book. We enjoyed doing these things for you guys so i hope you keep coming back and listening to us yeah thank you very much all right so take care goodbye bye see you next time we hope you enjoyed our show follow us on instagram at vulgar geniuses book club 
Our theme song was produced by Sean Kantrowitz. Follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Sean Dammit. That's spelled S-E-A-N-D-A-M-M-I-T. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. See you next time. Deuces.